He wants you to show up for church on Monday morning, Tuesday morning, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. He wants our lifestyle to be about him. And some of you, if, if church has always been a, a Sunday thing, then that's foreign to you. Or if it's been a Saturday thing, that's foreign to you. Or if the Bible is not alive, if it's not a part of your everyday life, that may be foreign to you. But that's okay because God wants to change that in your life. He, wants to, he, he really does want to tur- turn your world upside down. He wants your life to be about him and not about you. I think that song that we found that one night, I was listening to a sample CD, and I heard that song, Have Your Way. And we began to play it for our class on Monday night. I believe that that was, that's one of those songs that if you really sing it and you really mean it, your life will really change. You hear me, church? You can lip sync. You can mumble the words. You can actually, but if it's not here in your heart, nothing will change. But if you sing those words, if you mean what you say, things will change in your life. You will be empowered, impacted, and you will be a part of advancing the kingdom of God. Are y'all with me this morning? Is this cold weather just kind of snapped or something? What? Come on. Let's wake up this morning. Tell your neighbor to wake up. Now, if, they, if they're still sleeping, go ahead and give them a nudge with your elbow. Now, these girls that they were baptized this, in Mark that was baptized this morning, they're awake. Maybe we should have a, just a mass baptismal service because the water's still in there. Oh, y'all didn't bring a change of clothes, though, did you? Oh, okay. Okay. Well, I've been talking uh, the last couple of weeks. Uh, God puts me in places in the Word, and then I kind of stay there a little while until... He releases me to go somewhere else, and we're still in 2 Corinthians 10, uh, chapter 10, verses 3 and 5. It was the, it was the scriptures we used last week about, uh, about the, the mind and about really what I shared last week was this, and I'm not going to do the whole sermon today because we've got some more things to do. But what I shared last week was this, that one way the enemy persecutes us is through thoughts. And we talked, uh, the last few weeks, we talked about external persecution. We talked about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and the actual fire that they had to go into. We've talked about other kinds of forms of persecution. But last week, it was, God said, you know, the, the, the way that, that most Americans are persecuted, because we haven't been persecuted yet with threats of, of jail or, or fiery furnaces or anything like that yet. But the way that our culture is, we are bombarded with thoughts. And I mentioned that one study that somebody had done, I don't know who it was, it probably didn't matter, but it, he said that uh, people have 60, about 60,000 thoughts a day. And Joey said, I think I've got more than those. <laughs> 60,000 thoughts, 20, 30, up to 60,000 thoughts come at your, in your head a day, in your mind. And that's why God said in his word to take those thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. Because that's where the enemy, he's the one that's shooting those thoughts. And so a lot of people, I think you were relieved last week going, you know what, those aren't my thoughts. I'm not that wicked, perverted person then. No, you're not. Because the enemy is the one that shoots those thoughts at you. And if you don't have your shield of faith up, if you're not putting the armor of God on, then it says those, they're like fiery darts. And so we have to have our shield of faith up. We have to be walking in this thing called obedience, simple obedience. So these thoughts don't, don't uh, destroy our lives. So we take those thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. And some of us, that's just so foreign. How do we take those thoughts captive? 
how do we deal with those things in our life? And I, and I just shared with you some helpful hints last week of how to understand that those thoughts aren't yours, that they do not have power over you unless you give them power over you. Those thoughts can evolve, evolve, they can evolve into actions. And those actions can involve great consequences, terrible consequences. So we have to know that when the enemy is shooting those wicked or perverted thoughts or those temptations, when he's started shooting those things at you, you have to bring up your shield of faith. You have to be in the word of God. You have to know what God's word says so you can counteract those words that the enemy is trying to uh, distort your life with. Because we have so many believers, even today, well, I told you about a man who had done a survey, and he asked, he's, he, through conferences, he would ask, how many of you have ever thought as you're going down the highway that you, it would be uh, just an instantaneous, just a little thought, I'm going to pull over into the lane of the oncoming traffic, and I'm going to hit a, a semi, or I'm going to run into the pillar of the bridge, or I'm going to go off this rail over this cliff. And, how many, and he said two-thirds of believers, of Christians, said they had thought those thoughts. And they, he's... He said they were so relieved that, that they found out that other people were just as their thoughts were as messed up as theirs. But here's the deal. You can have those thoughts but not give in to those thoughts. Amen? That we have power over those through the blood of Jesus, by, by the word of God, by the shield of faith, and understanding who we are in Christ. If you don't know who you are in Christ, listen, the enemy, you're an open game for the enemy. I'm telling you, if you don't, and that's Basil, that's probably one of the most vital teachings any Christian can have is who they are in Christ Jesus. So today I wanted to look at another. We're going to flip back to the Old Testament briefly and talk to you about, and probably not going to stick with the scriptures very well this morning, Jeff, since uh, I'm kind of flying by the Holy Spirit today, okay? Um, how many of you have ever heard of the, of the walls of Jericho? Raise your hand. Okay, how many of you have not heard of the walls of Jericho? Raise your hand. See, I don't like to assume that everybody knows these Bible stories because my mother taught me the Bible stories, but not everybody had a mom that had the big Bible story book with all the really cool pictures. But the Walter Jericho is one of those that really stands out. Now, Moses, he was, he was called out by God to lead all these, these Israelites out of Egypt. They'd been in bondage for like 400 years. They were brick, they, were, they made bricks. And, and he came he, and he came to set the captives free. And he led them out after a series of plagues and things that happened uh, to Pharaoh and uh, the Egyptians. All the, all the Israelites were led out of the captivity. They went across the sea, the Red Sea, and the, the waters parted, okay? And the, and the Israelites walked through. They, they came through like um, how many, a million of them went through on dry ground. And when they got through, the waters closed in on the army of Pharaoh, y'all. Maybe Are you following with me? And they were all drowned. Now, here's what I believe. Now, all, the Old Testament is, is foreshadows of the New Testament, things in the New Testament. Now, I believe that represents our, our salvation, our rescue uh, from bondage, our rescue from our past. And I believe the Red Sea uh, actually is a form of water baptism, even though they didn't get wet. They walked through the sea, and they left. Remember what we talked about? Uh, your sins are left in the water. The old man is left in the water. Well, guess what was left in the water when they came through the water? The Egyptians, the ones who represented their past, represented their bondage. Okay, then they come out of there. Now, they're saved. They're, they're rescued from Egypt. They're rescued from Pharaoh. But then they come out, and then they're given the law, the, the Ten Commandments. Moses goes up on the, on the mountain, gets the Ten Commandments. But while he's up there, they get a little restless. You see, their minds have not been renewed yet. And that's where we are with a lot of believers. Your mind has not been renewed yet. And so they were down there 
They're, they're like, where is Moses? When is he coming back? You know what? I've got, a, I've got something to do. What is it? Where is he at? And they got restless. They got impatient. And they, they, they melted the gold and, and made a calf because that's what they were used to, worshiping these idols. And so they made a, a golden calf, and they all started partying. And Moses comes down, and he's so upset that he breaks the Ten Commandments. And so they, they are destined for 40 years because of their unbelief, because their minds are not renewed yet. They're destined for 40 years to live in this wilderness. Now, God was gracious, and that's the way he is with Christians. He's very gracious, but they, they never had new clothes. They didn't have to get new clothes and new shoes. And even when they got hungry, God would feed them. He would take care of them. That's what baby Christians are like. God takes care of us. Even though we don't know, even though we're not walking in obedience particularly, we're not, we're not graduating, we're not maturing, but God still protects us. But he says, you guys are not going to be able to go into the promised land. He said, I've got something more for you, and it's across this river called the Jordan River. And he said, if you will go there, he said, I've already given this land to you. It's yours. It's your inheritance. You see, us as Christians, we have this inheritance and yet some of us walk around like we have no inheritance. We live like God hasn't got anything else in store for us, and he has so much more for us than we've ever asked for or imagined. He's got all these great things for us. And so he says after 40 years, he's, uh, he sent two guys in, or 12 men in to spy the land, and two guys came back and said, we can take it because God said it's ours. And who, who were those two men? Joshua and Caleb. All right, you're with me. Joshua, Joshua. And Caleb. See, now Moses was a form of Jesus, but also Joshua was a form of Jesus. Actually, the word Joshua is in the Greek is Jesus. Okay? Savior. So Joshua is given the mandate. Moses can't go in. And, and I used to go, why did, why did God not let Moses go into the promised land? He just, God told him to speak to the rock and the water would pour forth. But what did Moses do? He took a stick. And he went, Quack! not just once, but twice he hit the rock. You know why he hit the rock with a stick instead of speaking to the rock? Because he was ticked at the rest of the guys. He was ticked at all these Israelites because they were so much about whining and griping and complaining. They weren't moving forward. And he was just ticked. And God said, just speak to the rock. He said, no, I ain't speaking to the rock. I'm going to strike the rock. But see, God was graceful and he let water come from the rock so that they would, have th they would, they would be filled. Now, here's the deal. Joshua and Caleb said, we can take the land. So all, God said, okay, all this generation is going to die in the wilderness. And Joshua and Caleb, you're going to lead the next generation into the promised land. All right, y'all with me? So Joshua and Caleb, uh, God says, he tells Joshua, get ready. You can go back and read all of Joshua. It's not very long. You can read it today in, or a couple of days. It's beautiful. I love Joshua. But he tells Joshua, get the troops ready. Get, the, get your men ready. Get, the, get everything loaded up because we're going to take you through to the promised land. And he said, you be strong, be a good courage. He said, do not be afraid. He said, I am with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you, Joshua. And I believe with the day that they walked, they stepped, the, the priest put their foot in the water, and it dried up, and it spread apart, and they went across on dry ground. I believe, my, this is my own personal belief, I believe going across the Jordan represents the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I believe they've gone through the waters of the Red Sea. They've been baptized, but they have not been renewed. And he says, listen, there's so much more for you if you will just keep going. And see, so many Christians, we stop short of the Jordan River. We don't step into our destiny. We don't step into the promises of God. So we just kind of live this mediocre life. We don't really advance the kingdom much because we're so busy taking care of ourselves and asking God to send us some more manna, send us some more quail. We're hungry, and we're sitting there like little chickens, I mean like little birds with our mouths open. Come on, feed me, feed me, feed me. So wait, 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 wait. I've got this place for you to take over. 
It's already your inheritance. See, matter of fact, he said, wherever you put your foot, he said, that's going to be yours. Okay, so we've got an inheritance. Say, I've got an inheritance. But see, it's going to take some action on our part to believe that God has something for us. So he says, we're going to step across. He said, so they stepped across and they walked through on dry land. He commissioned them and they were committed to go. He commissioned them and he commanded them to go. Okay, guess what it says in Matthew 28? He's commissioned us. Go ye therefore. And he's commanded us to teach everybody. He's commanded us to baptize and disciple. He's commanded us to, to walk in all of his commandments, everything that they'd ever heard. He's commissioned us as believers today. See, we're just like Joshua. We've got this destiny, and God wants us to go across into this new land and, and inherit it and take it captive to the obedience of Christ. And I'm talking about our thought life. God wants you to take those thoughts captive because he said, that's not my plan for you. It's to live in your old mindset. The old man is buried. The old man is dead. We talked about that last week. Don't dredge him up. Don't drag him around. He ain't cool. And what can dead men actually do? Nothing. Except unless you allow the dead man to do something in your life. So he, he tells the people, we're going to go across your commission. You're commanded to go. And he says, there's a city, and it's called Jericho. And he said, when you get, to, when you get outside, the, outside of Jericho, he said, I want you all to do something. Now, again, I want to tell you, God asked us to do funny things. Wouldn't you all agree? He said, okay, get all your army together. Get your, your best trumpeters. Get Herb Alpert and the rest of the Tijuana Brass. And we're going to go, and we're going to circle every day for six days. I want you to march around the walls of Jericho. March around one time. Okay? That's all. Just march around one time. Second day, march around again. Third day, march around again. Fourth day, march around again. Fifth day, march around again. Sixth day, march around again. Man, wouldn't that be? After six days, wouldn't you kind of get tired of marching around the, the walls of the city? Because he said, now, on the seventh day, something miraculous is going to happen in your life. Something beautiful is going to happen, and all you're going to do is just walk around and do what I tell you to do. See, God has called some of you to do some things in your life, and you've said, no, not going to do it. Doesn't sound prudent. I could have done my George Bush, but I'm not. He's asked you to do something, and you think it's stupid. He's asked you to do something, you think it's silly. You've, he's asked you to do some things, and you think, well, I can't do that. And you said, no. Just like when God told Peter to do some things, he said, no, I ain't going to do it. You've been rebellious. That's what baby Christians do. That's what carnal Christians do. Worldly Christians, they walk in rebellion to what God's called them to do. And I don't know what he's called you to do today. But I know for several years ago, he said, Harold, I've chosen you, and you gotta, I've got a job for you to do, and I had to obey him, or I would be still sitting on the other side of the Jordan, like the tribe of Manasseh, and not enjoying the fruit of what God had for me on the other side. See, some of you have not crossed the Jordan yet. You've come through the Red Sea. You might have been baptized in some cold water, and yet you're walking in the wilderness in your mind. And you're not receiving the things that God has for you because you failed to take those thoughts captive and you've let the enemy beat you up. So here's what we're doing today. We're going to move a little bit further along around this on the seventh day. Before I get to the seventh day, I need to, I need to, I need to share with you about Rahab. I knew if I got away from my notes too far, I would be in, in bad shape. He sent two spies into uh, Jerusalem and Jericho. He sent these two spies in there to scout out the land. It's a really interesting story because 
why would two guys go end up in a prostitute's house? <laughs> Think about it. All the homes in, in Jericho, and they go to a prostitute's house. And she actually lies for them. She says, they, they come to her house, they say, where are those two guys? We know there are two guys from the, the Israeli, uh, Israelites are here. Where are they? She, she hit them up on the roof. She said, I don't know what you're talking about. So God was, she said, listen, I want you guys to spare me. And he said, and they said, we will spare you if you do what? You know, anybody remember? There's a scarlet cord she had to tie outside her window when the walls, when, when they came in to, to capture the city, they, she had to tie a scarlet cord in, in the window so the Israelites would see that. And guess what that scarlet cord represents? It represents the blood of Jesus Christ. Just like the door, when they put the, paint, the, the blood of the lambs over the doorpost, she put a scarlet cord outside her window so when the, when the walls came down and the city was laid bare, they would know that she was covered. And that's exactly what you've got to know this morning, that you're covered by the blood of Jesus. You've got to understand that you're covered, and, and you don't deserve it. That's why I think God picked a prostitute to be, uh, Rahab, to be in this story, because God said she didn't deserve it, but you and I don't deserve it either, do we? We don't deserve what God's done for us. So we've got this commitment. We've got this commandment to go. We've got the blood of Jesus covering us. And then they crossed over, which is called the baptism of the Holy Spirit, as far as I'm concerned, Joshua 3. If you want to read the story about how they walked across. And then they did something really, again, God says, do some strange things so I know that you're listening to me. On the way across the Jordan, they had these, the priests from the 12 tribes, they had these priests. These, he said, now when you get across, because this is going to be dry, he said, I want you to pick out four, uh, 12 large stones. And I want you to go and pick, the, pick those stones up and take them out. And when you get on the other side into the promised land, he said, these are going to be a commemoration of what God has done that day. And you see, this, that's what I believe that uh, communion is. I believe that God has commemorated. He's called us to remember what he has done in our lives. So we take communion. I think all these things are foreshadowings of what God has done in our lives today. Don't you all? Can you see that? He said, I want you to remember what I've done. Here's these stones. Step them, set them up so when your children see them, see those stones, they'll say, well, Dad, what's that for? And he said, well, that's the day that God saved us. That's the day that God put us, uh, took us across into dry land. That's the day that we stepped into our destiny. So we have a crossing over, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We have a commemoration of the covenant and the communion. And then he said in, jo in Joshua 5, see, God just keeps asking them to do things that did not make sense to them. But he said, Joshua, sharpen your knife. I want you to circumcise all the men. That's when I probably would have converted to something else, you know? <laughs> not just the babies, but the men. He said, I want you to circumcise all the men. And so, he, again, circumcision, there's a foreshadowing. You go to Acts chapter 2. They were, the, uh, Peter was preaching the gospel that day. He was filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized in the Holy Spirit. He preached with power. He preached with fervor, and all the people were sitting there listening to Peter. They said, well, what must we do to be saved? It says they were cut to the what? Heart. They were circumcised in their heart. They were cut open, laid bare, and they said, look, it don't look so good in here in my heart. What must I do to be saved? And Peter said, repent and be baptized. Repent and be baptized. Your sins will be forgiven. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So there is another foreshadowing here of what God has called us to do. 
Now listen, all these things apply to us as Christians, but they all apply to our mind also. Now here's where I want to get to. Joshua chapter 6. This is where the action really took place. Listen, because they were obedient. Because you're obedient, walls will come down. Amen? If you're obedient, if you're listening to God's voice and you're obedient to what he's telling you to do, walls will come down in your life. And I don't know what those walls are this morning, but you do. You know if it's a wall of fear. You know if it's a wall of anger. You know if it's a wall of jealousy. You know if it's a wall of doubt and unbelief. You know what the wall is in your life this morning. And God is calling you to be obedient in different areas of your life. And you've said, well, Lord, this just doesn't sound right. This is weird. And God said, listen, do what I say. And that goes back to this thing that we've gotten away from in America, especially in the American church, and that's the fear of God. We've quit fearing Almighty God. And we won't sing a song called Have Your Way because, you know, we don't really want God to have His way in our life. We want to do our own thing when we want to do it. There's a lack of fear for a holy God. Joshua feared God. He was going to do exactly what God told him to do. He wasn't going to march around there 12 times in 12 days or two times in one day. He was going to do it exactly as God told him to do it. Now look at Joshua 6. Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. Listen, some of you have got a stronghold in your mind that the enemy is wrapped around. He's got a fortress in your mind of lies that you've believed and the enemy is there. And you, he's not going out, he's not coming, and he's staying right there unless you do what God's called you to do. He shut up. There's a fortress. See, there's a stronghold that we're talking about in 2 Corinthians 10 that God wants to bring down. He wants to shatter the stronghold of doubt and unbelief or whatever else it is, the, the lies that the enemy has planted there. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand its king and the mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city. All of you men of war, you shall go around the city once. This you, you shall do for six days. And on the seventh day, the priest shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times. And the priest shall blow the trumpets. It shall come to pass when they make a long blast with a ram's horn. And when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all of the people shall shout with a great shout. Then the wall of the city will fall down flat. I love that. Didn't just say it would fall down and crumble down. It will fall down flat. And the people shall go up every man straight before him. This morning, what's the stronghold in your mind? What is God wanting to tear down? What walls does he want to bring down so you can be free? It all starts there, right between your ears. Verse 20. So the people shouted when the priest the trumpets. Can you imagine what that was like? Can you just imagine? These guys have been ridiculed probably and laughed at for six days. <laughs> Look at those guys. They just march around and go home. Now they are again. There are those Israelites are here back. They're marching around and then they go home. Six days they did this. God's asking us to do some things, church. He's asking us to spend time in prayer. He's asking us to get in our word. He's asking us to do 
to spread the gospel, to share the gospel. And, and we, we feel like if we do those things that, you know, the enemy's just going to laugh at us. But they were so obedient. Seventh day, they go around seven times, blow the trumpets. The wall fell down flat. The people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. Did you know the number seven is a number for completion? It's also a number for sanctification. I want to ask you a question. Who brought the walls down? Who? Who? Why did he bring them down, though? Look at Hebrews 11.1, one, or 11.30, excuse me. Say this, by faith. A little bit louder. By faith. Say it again. By faith. The walls of Jericho fell down. After they were encircled for seven days. By faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. God told them. It wasn't something they weren't expecting. God said, if you'll do what I tell you to do, the walls will come down. By faith, they'll come down. I'm going to ask you this morning, what? How are you exercising your faith? Are you believing for things that you actually can't see yet? Are you standing the gap for somebody that needs to be saved? Are you standing in the gap for somebody that needs to be healed? Are you truly exercising this thing called faith? Or are you just waiting for God to do something without you doing anything? Because he responded to faith. What do you think would have happened? Let me just ask you this. We don't know, but what do you think? If they would have marched around there six days, and then on the sixth day they blew the trumpets and they shouted, what do you think would happen, church? Nothing. See, God put this in my heart. Some of you are just, you're, you're one day away from whatever God has for you. You're just one day, maybe one hour, maybe one prayer, maybe one commitment, maybe one act of obedience away from the walls coming down. And you just stopped short. You did the six days around and you thought, well, that's good enough. And God said, no, I said seven, seven. So what are you stopping short of? You know, I just, in my heart, God has done so many awesome things. I've seen so many miraculous things take place in the last few weeks. And I wonder why, why this isn't just busting at the seams for people to get in here. If we are believing that God is is doing all these great and marvelous things. Why are we not baptizing and seeing people saved every Sunday? Why are we not hearing about miracles every week? Because I believe this. Some of you have just walked around six times and you stopped. You've not, the thoughts, you've not taken those thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. Could that be you? Could it be me? Because God's got so much more for us than we are experiencing. Y'all believe that? I really believe that. It, it, it's not because I'm a great preacher. It's not because this is a big, nice, beautiful building. 
You know what it is? It's because I believe God has so much more for us because he's a big God. I, I really believe that. And, and we should, and I don't want to be, I don't want to come and be sour grapes or anything, but we should come in here on a Sunday morning with so much excitement, with so much expectation for God to move. And, and they're back in the prayer room going, well, there's this a big wall we can't seem to break through. And we had this worship and it was kind of, yeah, you know, starting out and people are, are we prepared to come in and shout the walls down is what I'm asking. Have you been preparing Saturday for Sunday? Or was Saturday just that day that's your day? Because it's really not your day. I want more. I, I do. And, and if this is all we've got, you know, I'm, I'm not satisfied. I am not settling. Y'all can settle if you want to, but I'm not settling for church. I'm not going to settle until we see the blind see and the cripple raised up and we see salvations every day, every day of the week. I'm not satisfied with us just doing this. I'm not. And I don't think God is either. I think maybe we've stopped on the sixth day and given up. God said, there's just one more day to march around, Harold. One more day and then you'll shout and the walls will come down. That's what... That's what I'm longing for. I'm believing for. But it's going to take all of us having renewed minds. It's going to take all of us coming to the place of saying, I need to be equipped. It's going to, be, it's going to take all of us saying, I need to spend more time in prayer. And less time on Facebook. More time on prayer and less time watching television. More time in my word than doing whatever else that happens to be out there to do that day. For us to ever get past where we're at, and, with, and believe me, I, I think God, we've seen a lot of great things, but God has so much more for us. I've talked to other pastors in this city. It's just dry. It's dry. And I, I pray that we're by the river, and I, the river of life is flowing through here, and if, there's, if every place else is dry, this place is not. We're going to be wet. We're going to be wet with the Holy Spirit as he flows through here. Rivers of living water will flow out of our bellies, the Bible says. But if you want to be on board, you're going to have to start marching. There's another aspect of this that I didn't even think about till right now. There's an aspect of this marching, this obedience, it was about praise and worship. It's been spoken over us that we would be a house of worship, a house of praise, a house of prayer. Lord, guys, we need to come here ready to worship God and praise Him. Amen? Stand, please. I didn't even get to my seventh point. What's love got to do with it? What's love got to do, got to do with it? Y'all know the song, don't you? Y'all are ready to groove. You know how faith works? By love. You're not going to go out and do anything because the preacher ran and raved. 
Because the preacher wanted you to do something, you're not going to do it. And I wouldn't blame you. It's not about that. It's about love. It's about this great love that God had toward us that should compel us to go out and do what I've asked you or what God's asking us to do. It's about that great love. And I see that happening so much here. But God, it just he's got so much more that he wants to pour out on us. If we just receive it and then let it flow through us. Would you all agree for that? Father, today, I ask that you bind our minds to your mind, Lord. I know we usually pray that before people get here, but I ask that you do that as we leave this morning. Give us vision beyond our own lives and our own families. Give us vision beyond these walls. Give us eyes to see a lost and dying world that needs Jesus. You've commanded us. You've commissioned us. And, Father, it's up to us to go and do what you've called us to do, as silly as it may seem or look. As crazy as it may sound, Father, we will walk in obedience. Because, Father, without you, we have no chance. It doesn't matter who we elect. Without you, Father, we are doomed. But with you, wow, with you, all things are possible. I thank you for loving us so much. Father, put a fire in us this week. Relight the fires in some of us that it's just getting, cl it's getting close to dying out. Father, relight the fires. That we would go and be and do the works of Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. And everybody said, amen. You may be seated. All right. Well, in closing this week, okay, I've got some special family and friends coming up. So, Chad, Kristen, and Mary, y'all go ahead and come up, and the kids will be up here in a second to bring them up. Well, these guys, man, has it been nine or ten years now? That long? Wow. Well, y'all come on over here. Well, um, just to tell you what, these guys are going to Mexico, right? How, how many guys know that these they're moving to Mexico? Y'all know that, right? Well, yeah, yeah. Well, not only are we uh, supporting them as a church, but I know many individuals in here are supporting them in prayers and financially for the next three years. They're taking their family three years, you know? So, But I wanted to share a little bit because my heart, is like for these guys like hardcore uh we actually got married about the same time they got married in december and then Kristen and i got married in march and january close you know it's been a while okay january so they got married in january and we got married in march i think march 